Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Movies in a Podshell podcast. The podcast which takes a theme and picks a film and then couples it with another film of that theme. I'm joined as always by Seymour. Feed me Seymour, feed me all night long. Little shop of horrors, right? Oh, yes, John. Yeah, well done, mate. I was not expecting you to yeah, know this one. I know that one. Ah. I know that one. I'm, I'm well happy with that. Well done, mate. That's, That's a big, I was... big animatronic plant that eats people, isn't it? Yeah, he it's a bit just scary. loves blood, doesn't he? He yeah. just loves blood. Yeah, and that's and that. Yeah, that was uh, that was that's who you are this week. You're a well, you're you're actually um, Rick Moranis, the yeah, uh, the and, guy with the glasses, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was playing the plant, obviously. Here is me hoping to be Sebastian as Ryan Gosling in La La Land, but we can dream. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, uh, I mean, we we can dream and. I mean, if anyone hasn't seen John, you should you should see what he actually looks like. It's spitting image of Mr. Gosling. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you take that. Uh, nonsense, but I'll take it. Film Forager writes in, and she says, "If you could only listen to one Disney musical song for the rest of your life, which one is it, John?" So, so for starters, for starters, right? I just want to would like to say. Uh, Shandra's writing in. I, I didn't actually consider Disney films musicals. Oh, I didn't. Well, it's not that I didn't consider. I didn't what? think about it. But they are. In, they, of course, they are. Of course, they are. Um, yeah, but even like Toy Story two, they have musical elements, don't they? Like Jesse singing the depressing song about being left in a car park or whatever. Oh, that's a great song, isn't it? Mm. It wouldn't be the one I'd list here forever. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just thinking like, okay, so before we started the pod, you were very much singing Lion King, like the circle of life. I, I was actually. But would you want that on repeat? Is that the one you want to hear forever? I mean, Frozen's the one that I felt like we did hear or repeat forever without, <laughs> yeah, without having a choice right. about it. And then I'm like, I don't know, maybe, uh, can you feel the love tonight is a classic and like that go over but i do like a bit of aladdin because harriet was watching aladdin the other day the the cartoon one not the not the live action and you know i can show you the world magic carpet ride whatever it's called yeah i I actually incredible yeah we used to sing that all the time me and my mate in school used to sing that to each other um and we'd take turns at playing um <laughs> Keep going. The, i can't remember the i can't remember who the characters jasmine are and uh, aladdin jasmine that's it oh, obviously aladdin i can't remember who the characters are it's aladdin um, or, or the monkey that makes the noises really similar to donald duck he goes uh yeah yeah no i do yeah do you know what there's a there's a few bangers in aladdin prince ali and the um June. yeah yeah there's some good ones anyway what what about for you i'm guessing you're not going to go with aladdin um, you didn't remember no, no, I, I, I really had considered Aladdin and I'd had considered um, the song that you just mentioned. Um, but do you know what was in my head for absolutely ages? And I don't actually think um, it's the best. So I watched the most recent Disney. When I say most recent, they're not recent now. So I had a bit of a gap in Disney for a while. So I hadn't seen uh, Frozen, Moana or um, Coco. Mm-hmm. And I, I, did, I did it in the wrong order. I watched Coco first, which absolutely blew my mind and I've never cried so much in a film and I think it's probably Disney's best ever film then I watched Moana which I really really did enjoy Um, and then I watched Frozen which was uh, pretty good and so but the song that I absolutely love the most was the song um, from Moana How Far I'll Go you know the one 
Uh, I've heard uh, this. It's I, like, I, see the line where the sky meets the sea. It calls me. Yeah, that one. It's a banger as well. Who? The Rock. Yeah, The Rock. Yeah. I feel like The Rock's in everything now. So, I mean, I would probably go with that maybe or Lion King like um, Lion King it seems to be the can't wait to yeah. be king that's a tune because it reminded me of the Mega Drive game <sighs> I tell you what though um, if you go and see so last year we went to go and see the Lion King live show and there's like a song that isn't in the film it might be in the the most recent film but it's like in the stage play and it's like he lives in you you ever heard that one? No, oh, I it's, it's, it's a bit of a banger, but I, I'm not going to embarrass myself and try and sing it. But it's, it's just such he lives in you, and it is a bit of a tune. Um, mm, well, um, isn't that about nine hundred pounds to go and see? <laughs> uh, no, Lighting. actually, uh, no. We we did the I think we did a matinee performance uh, in December time. It actually wasn't as expensive as I thought it'd be, but it wasn't cheap. No, but yeah. It's more so the issue of actually getting into London. Like, we're just lucky because my sister oh, lives God. there, so we're able to stay somewhere, which helps. But anyway. Excellent. Well, Jamie, well, speaking of some uh, banging things, some banging tunes you've been watching, um, we're not linking on to the film yet, but as I was... So I went to Jamie's yesterday to watch the second film, which we'll talk about later, but I had the La La Land soundtrack blaring out the car as I was driving back. It's just just great, isn't it? Speaking of it, fantastic you know musical what? numbers. Yeah, it, it's, it is fantastic in a lot of ways. I, yeah, I just, it's so, so memorable and there's so many bangers in it. And, and I don't remember, I, I'm not really a big, what's your relationship with musicals, John? So I've seen a fair few because, um, my dad used to like do the musical direction for school shows back in the day so we used to watch them so i've seen oliver i've seen my fair lady i've seen singing in the rain i've seen so i've i've seen a fair few and west side story as well um but i can't say it was my favorite genre growing up i think that would be not the case and i actually the 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 one that stuck with me more recently and Kate will shoot me for saying this. It was the um, the Sweeney Todd with Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, because it's Stephen Sondheim, and the music in that is very good, like it, like musically and just whatever. It's great, um, but the performances are a bit odd, and it's very Tim Burton. Make of that what you will, but um, that was the first musical because it was like a bit of a dark and moody one that I kind of got on board with. That came out in about two thousand and seven, I think, in my head. Or I seen it in the of... cinema. I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, so. I don't know. I think... I'm going to be honest. I think I've said this on the pod before. The first time I saw La La Land, I didn't actually love it. I kind of said I, I didn't get the hype because it had done so well at the Oscars. I didn't I didn't love it. I quite liked it. And then I kind of got the earworm for Another Day of Sun, which is the first track you hear. And then it was like, oh, I listened to the soundtrack. And then I was listening to the soundtrack quite a lot. And then I rewatched the film. And I think it, and we'll get into it later. The ending wasn't what I wanted. So I was upset with it. And then I actually realized that's oh, the whole reason why it's so good. What an ending. Anyway, um, how about for you? So like musical wise, aside from Disney films, because that was the other thing I was talking about. Uh, we would uh, mention then. Had you seen West Side, My Fair Lady and, and all that kind of like. The, I've seen none of the them. Guns? No. no, I've still okay. not seen West Side Story. Um and I, I feel terrible. Robert I think, Wise, yeah, bit of that. Yeah, probably, and I, yeah, the, probably the, the earliest film I do remember seeing was probably Little Shop of Horrors. Um, Grease, oh, yeah. maybe, probably Grease, actually. Grease, sorry, I didn't say that, but obviously, yeah. yeah Grease probably was one of the earliest ones I've seen. Um, and yeah, like, and, and, I, and I think I've seen a lot more modern musicals than I have seen old. Obviously, I've seen 
Mary Poppins, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, that kind of oh, thing. I forget. Oh, I always forget about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That film terrifies me. The child catcher is absolutely haunting to this day. Oh, God. Don't you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, so creepy. crazy. Yeah, really creepy. So, so creepy. It's like M, the 1930s Fritz Lang film. That yeah, it's on got similar two. vibes. Yeah. Yeah. But no, so, I mean, my, I think my relationship with musicals is, as a person, right, that um, I don't know if listeners know this, but I would probably say that I am more passionate, even even more passionate about music than I am film. Mm-hmm. Um Grow, like it was it's something that's been so special to me throughout my whole entire life so important and if someone asked me to choose between film and music i'll probably would have to choose music which probably sounds crazy that's shocking like well it's not because i know you but just well, still, if, you think, if you think about the amount of live gigs i go to and mm-hmm. the uh, my musical i say musical background like me like, no i know what you mean I know you know what i mean like been in bands etc etc like it's just something that is um, it, I don't know like it defined you as a person I think growing up and then and I have met people in my life that um, obviously the first one of the first things I'll say to them is oh like what kind of music are you into and they'll be like, and people have said to me before like someone at university said to me before oh, I don't really I don't really like music I'm like um, are you a serial killer are you because that is the craziest thing I have ever heard so going back to musicals, I don't really watch musicals because I'm like, is there a pop punk musical? Is there is there a metal musical? Because that is, I guess, my kind of genres. I mean, isn't there isn't there one a Tenacious D? Didn't they do a film? Yeah, The Pick of Destiny. Excellent. Is yeah, that it's a musical? It's just, I'm guessing. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's a musical. Yeah, it's fun. Um, but musicals generally are like... Wah, wah, wah. and it's all like happy like we're all in major keys like do you know what I mean we're yeah. like and I think that's maybe why I don't get on board I don't really rush out to watch musicals but we're going to talk about some of the my, I guess we'll talk about it'll come across in, in these episodes some of my favourite musicals I'll, we'll, we'll talk about them but John I was going to say we haven't actually covered what we've been watching we've gone straight into the musical hype so before we kick in I think you'll be proud of me. I've actually watched not not one but two actual films, three actual films between now and yeah, the last part. You, you are getting out of control, John. <sighs> you are a borderline cinephile. Uh, so I almost spoiled and ruined for Jamie because I thought you'd seen it. I saw the most recent Scream, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and now I have seen it. And now you have seen it. I think what I like about the first scream is how meta it was and like that's why I think we did a whole episode on it I don't really need to go into it in full um, and the most recent one is basically criticising film series that go back and use older characters to rejuvenate rejuvenate a franchise and then kick off again and also just by imitating the first film and it comments on this all the time and it talks about toxic fandom and it's very much a dig at Ryan Johnson's the reception to Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker uh, I just think it's thoroughly enjoyable also a few of the cast members are from things we've watched recently such as Yellow Jackets uh, and did you notice? No? Stranger Things? Is it? Is that? No no sorry I'm getting uh, mixed up with uh, the wolf boy from Ghostbusters Afterlife so I'm just getting mixed no, up with my No he, he wasn't in this one. I'm getting mixed up with my reboots I apologise. <laughs> so many but no I thought it did a really good job of kind of 
offering something different, working as a legacy film, was also critiquing said legacy revamp films, which is quite funny, and it kind of treads the line just enough to get away with it. And of course, this is the first screen film since Wes Anderson died, so he didn't direct it. And the last slide says for, for sorry, the last frame says for Wes, which was interesting. But yeah. So if if what would you what do you what would you rate Scream original out of ten? Oh, I'm not an out of ten kind of guy, but in my head probably seven, eight tops. That's because wow, it's not my that's so harsh. But for, no, but for me that's because it's, <laughs> we've had this chat on the pod before. I enjoyed it, but it's not my it's not my cup of tea, is it? Really? Okay, so does that mean you'd rate the reboot like a five? But you really enjoyed it. Okay, that's a very good point. Okay, I, on that basis, I'd say I'd rate the reboot a strong... Uh, I'm edging towards seven, and then OG would be close to a nine then. On that Listen, on that listen who am I Who am I to poo-poo your weird scoring system? Sorry, I put you on the spot. I'm just really saying, good. so I actually, I actually rated the new Scream seven out, of t- seven out of ten, because I was thinking... If the original screams are nine, yeah, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the um, re- the remake. Like I really did mm-hmm. enjoy it. It was. It's it just like you said. You somehow managed to link it to um, the Last Jedi, which I loved because I don't think a lot of people have made that connection. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I think that's. I think it's really good what you've done. And I think you're right as well. There's a whole section where literally they're on YouTube saying, "Oh, it all went downhill after after what's the series that's called in Scream? Is it Stab? Isn't it? It's like oh, after Stab, yeah, after yeah. Stab Six, it all went wrong, and this is what they should be doing. And I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but it actually links back to the plot of the like the whole film. But just there's just this whole section where they're watching these YouTube videos and I am a sucker for watching those YouTube videos which critique things and I'm actually getting to the point where I'm getting fed up with them and I'm going to stop because I think there's so many this is off related to Scream but kind of is related there's so many things now where we just can't enjoy anything I feel like we have to nitpick everything and I think it's okay to say like you can like something and have one thing in it you don't like but I feel like on now it's like, oh, everything's wrong and everything's wrong in this and it's all rubbish and, and you should agree and or you have to love it all. But actually, I think we've said on the pod before, there's nothing wrong with the six out of 10 frame. And what I mean by that is it can have faults and still have its merits and still be a good film, but it doesn't mean it's a great film, etc. Same for TV shows. Um, I'll go into it later, but like there's criticism of the new Obi-Wan show. Some of it's justified. Some of it's absolutely absolutely ridiculous like critiquing a chase sequence which has been filmed in a volume where they can't run full tilt and etc annoying but some of the hate some of the actresses are getting uh for oh what, because of the color of their skin color, the color of their skin but also they've not even finished the storyline they're moaning that she's not a fully rounded character you've not even seen the six episodes do you know what i mean like surely just let it play out and see what they do with it but they don't care because they've got their own star wars fans whatever Toxic fandom. Not but all anyway, of them, but... Scream is commenting on toxic fandom, which is why that was the link to that. Sorry. But anyway, yeah. there we go. So I watched Scream. Aside from Scream, I've also watched something really random, which is I've watched Alexander. Alexander was directed by <laughs> by Oliver Stone. I don't know why you're laughing at this. It's really well reviewed. So there's Alexander Theatrical Bomb did not do well. It was a bit of a mess and it was kind of edited so i think it was really linear so it started off with a lot of the first 40 minutes was him as a kid growing up and then went and went through to adulthood then there was a director's cut released which was about 20 minutes longer and it reshuffled things around and then 
Oliver Stone, I don't know, somehow managed to get three stabs at it and he got his definitive cut, which he went back and edited after he made World Trade Center. So he went and did World Trade Center, then came back. And that film, uh, uh, Alexander now is called The Definitive Cut. It's three hours and 30 minutes long. It has like an interlude. It has like a full on like, um, you know, going, it has, sorry, intermission, sorry. So it's go and get your popcorn or rest break now the first hour and a half is kind of about the rise and the last hour and a half uh, the, the second half is more about the fall but it's really good i mean i i'm a sucker for like greek mythology and and that side of history i've read a lot of the alexander books and basically it jumps in and out of parts of his life um and it links it through the emotion or through um you know like in lost if someone's in a situation and then they flash back to a memory which informs why they're acting the way they're acting it does that rather than be linear which is far more interesting angelina jolie plays um his mother who she believes like he's the son of zeus and all this stuff and she's just great at it um and it's alexander was played by colin farrell and at the time people complained because he kept his irish accent but the idea was all the macedonians in the film kept the irish accent because that's they would they were seen as being I don't know how they described it but like the more colloquial bunch or like they were like the working class equivalents they said the Irish accent was appropriate and then other soldiers had different accents to match that um, but anyway it's really got some amazing visual flair to it in the sense of there's a sequence there's a famous battle with King Alexander where he got severely injured in India but it was a really bloody battle but because of I don't know if it's because of censorship, but it has this whole sequence where that the only colour you see on screen is red. So imagine it being like black and white, but it's all red. And it's like a really interesting sequence. And it's like elephants literally attacking people and stuff. It's it's crazy. It's really violent because this is an unrated edition. It's it's just for home release. So it's really gory. It's very unlike me to watch it. And I was wincing a lot, but it's it's good. It's, it's really good. I think, I think it's worth a watch. Anyway, do you sorry. Want, do you want to know something? Go for it. I've been like wondering about this film for a while since you've been talking about it. I've own, I own it on DVD. The yeah, director's but, cut. Yeah, that's not what you want. You need the the definitive final cut, whatever it's called, which was right, after okay. that. Like Daredevil. Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, Daredevil did get three attempts to make it right. Like Oliver Stone literally got. Three. Did it? Didn't need it, mate. That's why it didn't need <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, and then the final film that I watched, and I think you'll be buzzing about. I don't think I mentioned this on the last pod if I did forgive me okay. Jackass Forever oh yeah <laughs> okay so tell me about that um, I mean half of it was obviously shot before Covid and half of it was after because Johnny Knoxville just stopped dyeing his hair black over Covid <laughs> did you notice that nah I just, I just <laughs> I was laughing too hard yeah um, what did you think of it there's some uh, I'm not too into like the smacking your body about stuff because they, they're so old now I actually worried for them I mean like yeah. <laughs> when he gets smashed by that bull and yeah. I was genuinely concerned. Oh for his yeah, health. no, that's, it's that's kind horrible. of not yeah, okay. Horrible, yeah. And even the one when they're doing the marching band on the, they go on a treadmill, and then oh, I love that. No, I and love he just that. smashes off it. Oh god, Bam Margera's in that. Bam Margera's in that bit. They're, they're like, just a bit too old now. It makes me slightly worried. And I did like the one with the bear. Uh, was quite funny. You know when he puts the food the in the guy. The guy's stuck in a chair, and they put like food on his yeah, 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 like yeah. dad's oh, pants basically I, I, yeah I really just fanned the whole um, thing but I also enjoyed just stupid stuff like the big water slide and the one with um, not Logan Paul the one with Machine Gun Kelly when he just gets yeah. slapped into that pool that was entertaining oh, yeah. they've yeah. got like a um, 
is it like a hydro cannon? What would you call it? Like a pressured thing, and basically he, he like cycles it up and thinks it's going to hit the other person, but it's actually it's his own yeah, one. Whoever, whoever cycles his, fastest, yeah, yeah, and his massive hand, like foam hand, just slaps him in the face and goes into a pool. But it's just great. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it and watched it. Harriet, I watched it with Harriet and her brother, and we had a really good time watching that. So it was fun. Um, Those yeah. films are great with like other people. Yeah, they? it's not the kind of thing I'd sit and watch on my own, but together it's, it was good fun. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's it, film wise. But I would say of those, Alexander's probably my top of those three. But I really enjoyed Scream. Like Scream was just a solid kind of, uh, like I had a curry and a beer in hand while I was watching it, which is like the ideal scenario for that. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, films. no. I, I, oh yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm really glad you watched it. And I'm glad. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad that. Because you never would have sought that out I wouldn't have before, watched before, before we've before we started this no. uh, like hundred percent and and that was what was quite funny. I saw the trailer, I was like, I'll go for it. But then Kate messaged me afterwards and said, Have you actually watched any of the other screams? And I hadn't I hadn't seen two, three, or four, but you kind of didn't need to, it just kind of no, it, you it could work as just a direct sequel to the first one, which I enjoyed. Um very yeah. quick mention because I don't want to run long on on me on these bits but I did also watch some good TV stuff recently or some stuff I like some stuff you won't like um, I've started Alter Carbon which I'm very late to the party but it looks amazing in terms of like visually it's just a really stunning show it's very much an ode to Blade Runner but obviously as Pete pointed out to me it's cyberpunk so you know it's yeah, kind you got of a fancy, you got a scenario. fancy new TV didn't you yeah um, so yeah enjoying a bit of that Gloss, glosses over it <laughs> and the other thing is I've watched um, <laughs> first episode of Flight Attendant season 2 I'm a bit of a sucker for Flight Attendant I think it's got I've talked about it before it's got the wrong man scenario it's very much like Notorious and um, uh, North by Northwest but it's obviously with Katie Kuoko instead and I think the setup for season one was a, you know, how many times can you have the wrong man scenario with the same person? It gets a bit tired. However, I'm interested with how they've set up the season. So I look forward to seeing what they do with that. But I was a bit annoyed. I had to wait 25 minutes for the opening title sequence to get the Soul Bass inspired intro, which looks like Vertigo, which is the main part I'm into, to be honest. But there we go. Might speak about a bit about Vertigo later. Yes, um, we might. And then yeah. finally, yeah, um, been watching obi-wan i think everyone's been watching obi-wan pretty much um three watched ep- the first episode Ye- yeah the slowest one with not anything happening i would say yeah, i'd was... watch two and three um yeah i'm into it i mean I, I wasn't yeah i wasn't impressed with the first episode i'll be honest i quickly will say that i'm still a bit of a sucker for the prequels i know all the things that are wrong with them but I, as we were saying earlier there's a lot of aspects i do enjoy about them and the one thing i would say of that is you mcgregor was a large part of that i think he was one of the shining things of that series he like came yeah. away unscathed and i'm very glad he's got his series i think some of the criticism we've already touched upon is ridiculous but also you know um people yeah, do you about- know what I really, yeah i really hate diverse casting like yeah just, just such a grip such a do you know what thing, like sort yourselves out i remember um when the new battlestar galactica came out i say the new battlestar galactica it came out in 2003 and they'd recast uh, starbuck as a woman and it was katie sackoff and oh, the yes. uproar at the time was mad but it was kind She's of brilliant she is amazing but the, the point for me was then because the internet wasn't as big a deal back then it was kind of letter writing campaigns and stuff and I almost yeah. in my head feel like it wasn't as seen or heard as much because 
who really cared enough to report on the letters. It was probably like one sci-fi magazine, which is what I was reading, let's be honest. <laughs> but like <laughs> internet-wise now with YouTube and whatever else, it's just, it's constant. It's just insane. Um, but I've uh, episode three, without getting into spoilers, is starting to deliver on kind of what the series premise set up for it to be, let's just say. I've heard it was a bit of a, yeah, it was a banging episode, wasn't it? Like lots of... Uh, I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. So it's had some good cinematography, I thought. I've, I've seen some people complaining about it, but I, I thought it was what I wanted it to be. And it's also, it's doing the George Lucas thing, which is it's imitating things that have come before it in the franchise, but just doing it differently enough for it to be fresh and new. But yeah, I, th- I think yeah, I think during episode one, the thing that does bug me a little bit is that it, it, I wouldn't know whether it's an episode of The Mandalorian or if it's an episode of Obi Wan if I walked in on it, uh, and that I, kind I, of bugs me a little bit because it looks like they just obviously reused sets, which of course that's what you're going to do. I think it's a bit unfair though because I heard other people complain that not much happened in that episode. The entire point of that episode is saying here's a man who's been in solitude for the best part of like at least ten years, eleven years and yeah. he's miserable and depressed and trying to keep his head down low so it's it does that thing where you see him go to work four times basically don't you and like see his routine yeah. and that's the point like it's trying to say look how like this is a guy who was a general of a galactic army and went round and you know saved all these people and yada yada and now he's essentially in hiding and he makes out that he's in hiding because he's looking after luke but it's really just because he's just trying to keep away from everything he doesn't want to be found out really like i always say with starbucks at starbucks well my own (laughs) bloody hell with star wars stuff i love Mm -hmm. my coffee with star wars stuff um it it's really bizarre because like they have this incredible lore and universe Mm -hmm. executed so poorly throughout a lot of the films and that's where i'll leave it I, I don't just but do you know what though like even in if you go back to Star Wars 77 and even in Empire Strikes Back like and Mr. Sunday Movie said this who's a pod I always end up plugging on here but it's because they yeah, don't, they, don't listen to him instead of us <laughs> they speak a lot of sense with, with this stuff and they just said like Star Wars has always had massively corny aspects to it the dialogue in A New Hope is really bad people will always like argue otherwise but the dialogue in A New Hope is really bad the cantina sequence is a bit clunky and a bit like all off and you know in the prequels it was Jar Jar or you know there's there's always something or the Ewoks like you love Return of the Jedi but I'm always like I used to hate Return of the Jedi as a kid because after Empire Strikes Back it just felt like a complete U-turn of like you know oh whoa anyway enough about that Jamie what have you been watching I've had some clips be sent to me this week of some of the films you've been watching so oh god you have so you have (laughs) Um, I mean I've been I've been showing showing people that have not seen many comedy films great comedy films um, see no evil hear no evil I think I've spoke about it on the pod before but I just rewatched it I've watched it twice twice in probably the last nine months because it's got to criticise you for that uh, for that Jamie because you always criticise me for a rewatch so shame shame well, on you're not going to like the next film either then so I rewatched the old school as well with Will Ferrell um, which uh, yeah is one of my favourite comedies um and then I have watched some other quite interesting stuff. So I watched um, Bo Travail, which is, I believe it translates from French. Um, it just means good work. Um, so it's about a French Foreign Legion officer and he is jealous of a, uh, a new recruit. And it's just quite a, quite a quiet film. Uh, Claire Denis uh, directed it. It's only 93 minutes long. It's, 
yeah, quite an intimate, like nice, like very art housey um, film. I, I very much enjoyed it though. That I had, I bought it on the Criterion Collection. I did watch, and I texted you about this one. An absolute new favourite. Oh, I loved it. Um, and it's a favourite of Daddy Bridgewater. And when I say sorry, when I say Daddy Bridgewater, <laughs> I mean John's dad. Um, oh, um, uh, Night uh, of the Demon. So, a related story to this. When I was a kid. I said, Dad used to have like like a VHS collection because he used to record the films off the TV, which I think everyone did, right? That was a thing. You just, Absolutely, yeah, mate. You, like I had, I had loads of blank tapes with recorded, t- uh, and you used to you used to stop recording when the adverts had come on. And oh then no, we didn't have that. No, we had to oh, record no, the adverts. Yeah, oh, yeah. okay, you you were proper. But I remember they had like he'd made the covers in like early Microsoft Word or whatever it was, and had them printed. It. So it was like the full. But anyway, I remember I would have been like. I can remember it. So I must be like five or six. I don't know. And I remember saying, "What's the scariest film you've ever seen?" And my dad kind of looked at me as if to be like, "I'm pretty sure whatever I say, he's gonna go and seek out, right?" So he's like, "Oh, that's what he said." What's the film title? Again? Night of the it. Demon. So I was like, "Okay, cool, fine." So then I went and got it out, and then it is like for a film of that era, it is not not jumpy, but it is quite creepy, isn't it? Uh, so I would say that it's it, it's fin- in a film, 1957. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the only other film that is, I've not seen loads from that era, but the two films that come to mind that are, are this scary, uh, well, obviously the one film, uh, Carnival of Souls, which is quite creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's more 40s. But yeah. honestly, Night of the Demon, directed by Jack Sternia, it is. I absolutely fell in love with it. I wrote... Um, it's so ahead of its time genuinely jumpy for its era and better, mm-hmm. better special effects than Thor Love and Thunder what more do you want <laughs> the film that's not released yet which Jamie is, is absolutely slating it's a new favourite for me so that that is a new favourite for me I the, the special effects were really really well done and I, I just I, th- I had such a good time with it I r- is that a Ray Harryhausen or not no Jack Sternier no, it is in like special effects wise. Was it Ray Harryhausen who did the monster? Oh, I don't or know. Not? I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I'll have to look. Sorry about that. You can have a look while I. So that is available on Indicator Blu-ray, or you can just rent it from Amazon. Um, I watched Point Break. Um, obviously OG? the original. Yeah. Yeah, from Catherine Brigolo. I, again, like I don't know how I feel about this. I, it's too long. It's way, way too long. It's got. M- one of my favourite people of all time, Patrick Swayze in it. I was going to say, yeah. But Keanu's performance is honest, honestly laughably hammy. Um, and but, and some of the action sequences are really well done, extremely tense. There's a there's a bit where there's got this shootout in a house. Reminds me a little bit of um, Training Day. And there's a there's a bit with a uh, a lawnmower almost going into someone's someone's face. So that's... Um, mm, no, but it's, no. it's just a bit too long. It's like... It's two hours. And I'm just like, it could have easily been an hour 40. You know, I'm on about films that are too long all the time. You do. I also watched Rocky one, sorry, Rocky two and Rocky three. Um, so that was, I've just been having a great time. We actually watched Rocky, most of Rocky three together. Didn't we, we did. Yeah, we did. I put it a fool. Excellent. He's Clubber Lang is one of the greatest, greatest on screen villains. And the relationship, as I've got older, I realised the relationship between Rocky and Adrian is just so special. It's so it's so wonderful, and they're so lovely to each other. It's I would, I I said this the other day. So re- apologies if you read it already, but 
go back and revisit the Rocky films and don't watch them as a sports film, but instead try and watch them as a as a romantic drama. Like that's that's what I would say. Um, then we were talking about the this other film that I was uh, that I was watching, which I sent you clips of, didn't yeah. I, John? Yeah. So um, I sent <laughs> no, I sent yeah. you clips of uh, Ricky O, the story of Ricky, which is based off a manga. Um, it's from 1991, and it's by Lam Nagai Kai. Lam Kai? I don't know. The, maybe a silent N in there somewhere. Um, this, I would probably say, is the craziest film I've ever watched in my entire life. And John, would you agree that the clips I sent you were amongst the craziest you've ever seen? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he was taking out guys far bigger than himself, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's about a, it's basically about um, a Ricky who he goes to a like it's I say it's a futuristic prison. It, the film was made in 1991, and it, it takes you to 2001, where it's like this futuristic prison apparently. But it's basically all just one set and just lots of fights. But the gore scenes, um, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Probably it's it's extremely over the top. It's grindhouse mm. basically. It's yeah, completely yeah, yeah. grindhouse. It's um yeah it's a lot of fun and i i was thoroughly entertained so yeah that was that and then, and then finally john i went out and bought mission impossible fallout in 4k yes i mean fallout for me is it's not my favorite mission impossible but i think it's one of the is the best of the recent ones i so the, again controversial i think i prefer rogue nation to fallout I need to. I need that. to revisit Rogue Nation. Um, but the the thing with Fallout is that, so the one thing I did I did think that um, by the way the last act of Mission Impossible Fallout just doesn't stop, does it? Breathtaking, and, genuinely, and it has literally has a musical number in it. Speaking of musicals, well, not musical number, but, but it kind of is when the. It is, yeah. I I also like in Fallout the fake out when they think you think Tom Cruise has gone down the deep end. So you see like a heist and you watch yeah. it go down the way they've told him it should go down. Like everyone dies and it's a bit like, this is dark. And then it's like a double switch. Spoilers. Sorry for Mission Impossible Fallout from four years. You've ago. said spoilers after you give the spoilers. So fingers crossed, mate. Um, anyway, I I thought, the, I thought the, the final third was incredible and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. The, oh God, the HDR and the 4K Blu-ray, by the way, amongst the best I've seen amongst the best I've seen did on, you appreciate about like Henry Cavill's moustache and how it actually ruined all the reshoots for Justice League he was incredible by the way did you like the really... when he reloaded his arms in the bathroom yes excellent. I, I knew you'd love that there's some really good martial arts in this some good like hand to hand combat like a, a really it was quite quite modern really like better than anything I've seen in any any of the James Bond films that the hand to hand combat is quick it's more like proper martial arts so I would obviously yeah there's a reason why people bathroom love fight's great in that as well yeah it's you got, said it's not your favourite then so I'm assuming Mission Impossible 2 is your favourite it still is because it's just so extra and I'm yeah. I'm all about it being extra and did I, you know Tom Cruise kicked kicked John Woo out of the edit allegedly suite? allegedly Tom Cruise no, I, just, I just thought I'd say it because you locked, said it locked almost, John Woo out of his own edit yeah. I, I, as I said some, I remember reading on IMDb there's like a, there's a three hour cut of Mission Impossible 2 I was like I'm so up for that because there is there yeah. is like plot holes in the film, and that's where the rumors came about the fact that he was booted out the edit room because there's whole subplots missing. 
But yeah. if you want to read more on that, Google it. Yeah, or you can hear our many, many past episodes where John talks about it. John, that's it, mate. Like, that's all I've been watching. Um, what are we doing this week? La La Land. <laughs> oh, that, that's what, what an intro. We're doing Damien Chazelle's La La Land from 2016. It's pretty strange that we keep running into each other. Maybe it means something. I doubt it. Yeah, I don't think so. You could just write your own roles, you know, write something that's as interesting as you are. What are you going to do? I have my own club. Is that going to happen every time? I think so. John, come on, mate. Tell me about La La Land. Ah, La La Land is a hard watch in the sense of it's one of those films where I don't know if when I was a kid, I used to rewatch certain films on the basis of if I watch it, then maybe it will end differently very ridiculous mindset you? Because, no because you know when you just want a different outcome for a character and you kind of thought like maybe maybe it'll be different i just kind of had a weird mindset i also used to think at christmas you know if they had a behind the scenes thing of like there was a behind the scenes thing of toy story 2 at christmas right one year i remember thinking oh they might accidentally put the film on afterwards so i'll just set the vhs to record just in case so i was an eternal optimist with things um but yeah la la land is a hard watch in the sense of the spoilers for La Land the characters journeys I think are relatable but they don't end the way you want them to and I think that is the essence of the entire film like that's the point Um, but I think it's got some cracking musical numbers there's a big love of jazz with Damien Chazelle as we know from Whiplash which was the film he made prior to this and the one thing he knows how to do much like Hans Zimmer uh, Hans Zimmer much like um, Christopher Nolan is he knows how to construct an ending I think he like does big dramatic endings in terms of having a big character moment happen, but then it just cuts straight to the end without giving you a chance to breathe. You don't get to like come down from the experience. It just goes straight to the credits. We'll get into it more later. That's my half overview. Jamie, for you, I mean, you messaged me straight away on WhatsApp just saying this film breaks me, and I think that's a fair, fair... I've yeah. spoken a lot on the pod before about... The films that I love the most, probably, and the films that are the films that sort of break me like this and make me feel so emotional. That's why Packs of Being a Wallflower, Edge of Seventeen, mm. um, uh, The Prestige, Primal Fear, all these films that completely subvert my expectations, or films with like some kind of romantic. The way it's delivered, the way this, the way this romance is delivered at the end of the film, and the what if scenario is you don't see it come in and it just it just completely breaks you um and so yeah like i i love that i should i have no reason i have no what's the word um i have no business loving this film as much as i do because no. it is a musical and but when i watch it I am just completely enamoured and maybe it's because I love old Hollywood so much as well and I love the the style and the feel of those films and this is kind of like a colour version I, want, I don't want to say it's a love letter to it because it's been said a million times but it, but it, it is. is you but can't is. you can't get away from that I mean there's there's odes to um, there's shots similar to you could say to West Side there's shots similar to Singing in the Rain of course there are, of course there is but that's that's fine it's and of also of our link film, which we'll discuss, there's some very similar nods musically and and visually in terms of colours, etc. But very um, impressed with myself actually. This is it could be one of the greatest pairings in terms of 
subverting the expectations, but also the link that Damien Chazelle has with Jack Stemmy and and his favorite film is quoted as being Umbrellas of Chambord, which which is another Jack Stemmy film. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has taken great inspiration from uh, the young girls of Rockfort or. Yep. Les Demoiselles de Roquefort, however you want to say it, like I'm sure all you all you French listeners out there. <laughs> and so we've spoke about inspiration versus plagiarism before with yeah. Quentin Tarantino. How do you feel? How did we 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 watched this together? We so we watched Young Girls together, didn't we? We're crossing the line. This is unlike us. I I, the, I think it's important. Jamie though, to put get the Blu Ray on, and even the menu music. I was like, that motif is very similar to the piano motif which is throughout the film uh, in La La Land, which is... Um, uh, Hurwitz. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is it's the... it's I think it's the piece of music City of Stars, which is the one you hear throughout the film, and it's a very similar motif. And Another Day of Sun, which is the opening track you hear in La La Land, is very similarly, similar to the two twin sisters singing their opening, tra- opening song, isn't it? Yeah, and they're introduced yeah, yeah. themselves. We have the same mark on our back. Our mother, blah, 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 you know. Yeah, I'm trying to sing a subtitle film, but um, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of influence there. But the main thing is the color palette. And I remember Damien Chazelle said that a large thing he wanted to do with La La Land was a lot of the big musical numbers in the old films were done on stage sets, like in the studio. Yeah. And he wanted to have a musical out and open in the world, which I think from what we watched yesterday in in Rockfort, that's exactly what it did. It was in a lived-in space, wasn't it? It was outside and it made it feel more, I can't say more realistic because it, it doesn't, but it kind of makes it feel like more of an authentic world rather than a closed-off set of like a theatre show. But Jamie actually said when we watched Rockfort that... Um, it did almost feel like a theatre performance from the aspect of there was very few locations, but it was still on location. As far yeah. as I know, like it felt like it was on location anyway. Um, and yeah, so in La La Land, it's also very much picked up the colour scheme because a lot of those old musicals have very bright, vibrant colours, don't they? Primary colours, isn't it? Primary, Primary colours again. Used like, in La La Land a lot. Yeah, and very much the same in Rockford. So... Yeah, I, I love the opening of La La Land because you, you have your, like your really traditional kind of opening uh, studio logos, etc. And then there's someone listening to the car radio and it's just a load of traffic in LA. And what we don't know is you can see Emma Stone in one car and you've got Ryan Gosling in another car further down the way. And they start, um, a lady starts singing in her car. And I watched the video essay and it was about how uh, Damien Chazelle in the whole film kind of has the the reality of the situation in La La Land then cuts into like a dream, a dream version, then cuts back to reality. So in Another Day of Sun, it's like, okay, we're going to LA. LA is the place of dreams. This is where everything can come true. It's like, it's the best place in the world. You know, it's, it's, it's going to happen. And then you hard cut to after the song finishes, everyone gets back in their cars and, and they're pipping the horn and it's just like back to being chaos. Also, um, what I love about the intro for La La Land is they did that sequence on that freeway bit twice, and you can tell if you look really closely on the on the uh, HD and the 4K, you can see the marks in the cars from where they've already danced on the roof and on the bonnet. 
don't know if you noticed that, but I, think I that's, didn't that's notice cool. that, but that's hilarious. Um, and there's some great camera work in this. There's quite a lot of long takes Damien Chazelle uses, and then he kind of does like a big whip pan a bit like in 1917 to make it feel like one connected shot, which is quite cool. Um, but I, a big shout out to the, you know, in um, the guy opens up the back of the truck and in the back of the truck, there's a drummer and the two trumpeters and they're just playing the. I love that more for it. It, they they closed off the actual freeway, didn't they? I believe so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think they would have had many chances to do it though. I remember they used the second take. I don't know. I don't know why I know that, but I just I know that's that's what they did. But they must have rehearsed it for months and months and months just to even get it anywhere near that point. Um, so yeah, and then after that, you're kind of we then see Mia. Mia's played by Emma Stone she's stuck we think she's on the phone but then we establish she's an actress and she's learning lines but she's not moving her car in the traffic at the time so Ryan Gosling pulls up behind her slams his horn on has a go at her and undercuts her and that's basically the opening of the film and it kind of takes a day in the life of of their lives so we see that Mia works in the Warner on the Warner Brothers lot so she's surrounded by like film history as it were like the old studio films sorry old film sets but she she sees like a, a leading actress come in and that's what she aspires to do but she doesn't quite know how to do it and then you've got um sebastian played by ryan gosling he his whole aim in the film is he wants to be successful by owning a old a jazz club which has been turned into something he dis- he doesn't want it to be and he wants to own and run this jazz club essentially that's the point of the of of their relationship is they enable each other to be able to do those things. They give each other ideas of like how to change their, their status quo in their lives. So Sebastian says to Mia, rather than you auditioning for all these plays, so we watch, we'll get into it more. We see her audition for all these films and see how poorly she's treated or like how... Um, oh, it's horrendous, isn't it? She'll be like mid-scene and crying and then someone picks up the phone or stops their stops the cast and then, that, and then that's, a, carry on. that's an incredible piece of acting that is yeah when it's real close up to her face she's acting on the phone for this audition the people that are doing the audition are really rude but that piece of acting how she literally there is no cuts and she's going from normal to like big she's got big eyes hasn't she she's got yeah. real big eyes and they are just like welling up with tears that's i love that it, that sequence sorry going back to it do you remember i watched the um uh, I've forgotten it. I forgot what it's called. You know the director of Euphoria did that film, and I talk, spoke to you about it with Zendaya in it. And Malcolm it was the Black and Marie. One. Malcolm and Marie. That's what that sequence I was referring to is when Zendaya plays in character in that film, plays a character that she'd auditioned for, and then cuts back. And I think any time an actor does that, it just impresses me. It's like my god to be able to go. That's like Inception, right? <laughs> like three levels deep yeah, yeah. by that point and then coming back out. Well, yeah, Leo does it. Leo does it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, he does. Yes, Incredible he does. scene. Like, I love I love that. And yeah, she, she's, she is magic in this. Like, in, and so is he. he. He's got fantastic comic timing as well throughout. Like, he's very funny throughout this film. So it's interesting that they'd, they'd played couples together on screen before. And I think that really helps sell this because they did... Is it Crazy Stupid Love is the one that springs to mind? And then- Fantastic film. Try and see that, everyone, if you haven't seen. Crazy Stupid Love. Good what a film. So much fun. And Sad what- as well. Steve Carell. It's great. And what was the what was the other film they were a couple in? There was three. This is the third one, isn't it? 
I don't know. Yeah, so I, I, I can't off the top of my head. I'm not sure what the uh, it's what the it's um, Gangster Squad. Oh, I've not seen In it. Gangster Squad. She's kind of the um, uh, Femi Fatale character. Yeah, you watched this not long ago, right? I did. How weird! Yeah. But yeah, I did. I remember you said that. Yeah, yeah. Did you you, you enjoyed it? Uh, yeah, it was. It it wasn't great. It was. It was. It was good, not great. That kind of territory. You know, yeah. it's a classic six out of ten, which Pete will mock us for. But it we was, like six out of ten. But no, it was a six out of ten. It was. It was a fun enough watch, but I would not rush back. It's not a classic. But anyway, um, we kind of see Mia get to a point where she goes on the second musical number is them getting for ready for a night out. So she lives with three other aspiring actresses. And they sing about, she doesn't want to go to this party tonight because she feels depressed because she's had a bad, bad audition. They're like, no, this could be the night. You need to meet that one person. The one person could be your, you know, lead you up to fame. And then you basically get this crazy music video, essentially, don't you? Of like what a night out's like in LA. And Damien Chazelle is just like the way he represents this is gorgeous. It's like you've got. Imagine a cocktail with the um, sparklers in either side. You've kind of got that effect either side of the screen, haven't you? Then it cuts to like glasses being, um, drinks being poured into like really nice glasses. And then you've got people diving into pools. It's just, it's gorgeous stuff. And like the choreography, I I advise anyone, if you just Google behind the scenes of La La Land, just to see the way the camera's moving and the way it's all choreographed. Because the choreography in this film is insane. Like it's so interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. The, in that apartment, I love that apartment because, and and you can kind of see from that. Uh, do you know what you you, you could? I criticise films for this, but you could kind of maybe it's because I'm fitting my own narrative, like, and I'm aware of that. But I love the um, ode to like old Hollywood and the nostalgia he, he tries to create in that apartment. You've got like the big Ingmar Bergman poster. You've got mm-hmm. the Killers with Burt Lancaster. You've got um, the poster of the Black Cat. Um, by Ulmer and I just love all of that like I love how there's constant nods to old Hollywood and how it's I I don't want to keep saying love letter but it but it really you can really tell how much he loves it and but it also relates to her character it relates to her character too because she aspires to be a leading actress in the Hollywood system well not in the Hollywood system but you know that kind of thing and because her interest in cinema came from her aunt. Her aunt used to take to the library and they used to rent the classic films like Casablanca, etc. So there is a and there is a reason to why she has those things on her wall. It's not just because Damien Chazelle likes them, it's because her character likes them. Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's not it's not just shoehorned in. There is a logical reason and it influences the yeah. plot. Um but after the party, she um I'm missing a bit, am I? Is it yeah, after, so, is, so no, after when the does party, she meet, she... When does she meet Sebastian for the first time? Is it because she walks into the jazz club, doesn't she? Her car is towed. No, so her car is towed. That is correct. Sorry, um, her, her car, car is towed. towed. And, and then, then she... They, they meet They meet on that incredible... In that incredible setting. The first time when she's got the yellow dress on. Yeah. And they... he's He's got that blue... The blue trousers and those black and white shoes. And they sit on the bench together and she changes her shoes and... And they start dancing, and and that that piece there, that that the lighting. Um, apparently, they had a really small window to shoot that. Mm, um, it's like so, a purpley sky, isn't it? That kind of. Yeah, it's it. It just looks incredible. I say this all the time. I genuinely believe that that scene there with them too. So they they had like a thirty minute window to um, shoot it between like seven twenty and seven fifty p.m. Um, 
with like I think it was two days they had um they managed five takes altogether um and then they would literally go back right to the start before each each time each time and the assistants would be literally having to wipe the sweat off them um, yeah so, yeah I can imagine it's it's quite an involved routine I and yeah. um the fourth take is the one that they actually use city of stars is the track name I was just I was just about to search if I remembered I it. love that and, and so but the aesthetic of that scene and the the dancing etc I genuinely believe in years to come that is going to be as iconic as as Gene Kelly's singing in the rain that dance outside. I just think the the way it's shot, the choreography, the song. I I just honestly I think it's magic. Speaking of which, this works quite well with a question we received before the pod, which was let me just find it for you. It is uh, Film Voyager said. Musicals with some normal dialogue or just straight singing the whole time. I think the reason I really like La La Land is because it's not singing the whole time. I like the fact that... So, like, Les Mis, they sing throughout, don't they? I believe. Like, Les Mis, you sing everything you are feeling another one, at all times. Another one I haven't seen. Um, however, in this film, it's kind of like a normal drama to an extent. And then... It, when characters emote certain things, they then go into this space where they're singing to each other. But it doesn't uh, feel, yeah. for me, it's, and this, this sounds really cliche, cliche maybe, but it's like the expression of emotion rather than telling a story. When we watched, rock, um, say the name again. Young Girls of Rockford. The difference was for me in that film was they used it to show, um, it was they like. tell a story, exposition. A, yeah, exp- it, I joke saying it's a bit like an exposition dump no, through song. You're right there. In La La Land, you're the explanation of the storylines comes through like seeing it happen and fall before them they're only singing to each other about the way they feel i suppose is the way i'd put it rather than being like my name's ryan gosling i've you know sorry i'm i'm sebastian i'm i've been unhappy for 20 years and that's why i'm here and i'm a musician which is kind of how the songs works in the other musical we're comparing to anyway so for you sorry preference wise would you rather it be in this style or would you rather songs throughout it's weird really because the first film that came to mind and maybe one of the only ones I've seen with straight singing throughout would be Hamilton okay which I think have you seen it uh no you would love that you would really really love that some it's of the incredible. songs are bangers I've heard them some of the songs are bangers hmm. I and the other the other music musicals that really are th- that come to mind off the top of my head is um what's the one with Hugh Jackman The Greatest Showman Greatest Showman yeah of course so I feel like in order for a musical to work for me, I need, and especially if it's this, it's in this kind of style of, I, the reason I like the music in La La Land and I like the music in The Greatest Showman, I didn't particularly like the music that much in The Young Girls of Rockfort. So... Mm, do you think part of that though was because the fact it wasn't in English or do you just think it was... Um, yeah, it probably had an element. Mm-hmm. One of the other elements might have been just because of the the just the sheer gap like i don't i really love 50s music and 60s music and i like jazz actually but the but the weird thing is for me like i feel like i need some kind of story in order for me to really relate and enjoy the film so and i and i have to like the music so something like lemire's doesn't really appeal to me that much because nope. i'm not really a fan of the music from it um whereas la la land like I like jazz. I like this music. It's really, really catchy. Greece, I would even argue, like I, I quite like the music from Greece. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would say I would say Chandra, 
one, I'm not educated enough to really be able to talk about it. Maybe you know some, some. In fact, we in fact we have we've definitely got some people listening to this pod that are massive musical fans, and we've we've got more questions. Um, so I would love it if you just you just tell me some of the best musicals that maybe I don't know of. Um, because yeah, I, I would say that for me personally, I need some normal dialogue and some catchy catchy tunes. Eight Mile, I mean, Eight Mile is my kind of musical. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, is it a musical? Eight Mile? No, it's just that again. That's a bit like saying is. I was joking. I was joking. It, no, but it's like you know the Queen movie. Is that a it's musical? It's gone in sixty it's seconds. Like, a sports no. movie. No, same thing. So rolling back to where we were at the film, we don't do play by plays, but it's important to talk about the the journey the characters go through. So Sebastian and Mia, after that first night, they don't actually end up together, do they? They just kind of part their ways, and then they keep bumping into each other around LA, um, but. The first place is Mia goes to a different party, like a daytime social thing. And she sees him in like an 80s cover band and he absolutely hates the music he's playing. He's because, playing Our Heart by Take On Me. I don't know why he hates it because it's one of the greatest songs ever written. But he's he's not loving life. And then Emma Stone does a, does a great Emma Stone bit, which is she dances and makes like, you know, she makes a fool of herself but doesn't care. And he just respects that. And he basically goes to have a go at her because she requested, I can't remember what the song was. I think it's Running Man or something. I Ran. I Ran by Brian Adams. There you go. And I think it's by Brian Adams. And he says, you know, like, that's like the worst thing you could ask me to do, blah, blah, blah. But they had, they obviously have a rapport. And they end up talking about um, going to see an old film, right? Which is? Sorry, by the way, it's not Brian Adams. It's by Flock of Seagulls. He That's does okay. do. He does um, a song. Brian Adams does the song "Run to You." So I've, I've got mixed ah, up. Okay. So, Sorry, listeners. So then they start talking about. Um, they start talking about old films, don't they? And then he they end up like cracking a date together, don't they? Which is to go to the cinema to go and see. I mean, if I were her, I would because Ryan Gosling's a beauty. I don't know what they see. What do they see? Rebel Without a Cause, which was on episode ah. two or three of Movies in a Pod Show. Go um, back and listen. Yep. He's uh, he's actually wearing, funnily enough, while he's playing the guitar, he's wearing a white t-shirt, red jacket, just bit, like James Dean. Bit James Deeney. Yeah. And what I like as well is when they go on this date, uh that so sorry i've missed a bit here but anyway i'm no we're not this is why we don't do play by play johnny gets confused he goes to the warner brothers lot to meet her and basically says to her hey come on um are you free there's there's a screening of said film and they go and see rebel without a cause and the some of the best tension of like will they won't they is in that cinema sequence don't you think oh yeah so it's like there's the close-up of their hands and like they're both kind of edging towards each other but they're like i'm not sure don't know so then they they don't and then it's really sweet he offers his she offers hers and it's just like yeah it's great it's really well shot and just the look like the little smile smirk whatever you want to call it emma stone gives as Mia gives sorry as Sebastian holds her hand is really sweet and just as they go to kiss for the first time the cinema reels like stopped working yeah. and they're a bit is like has that, that happened oh. to you before have you ever have you oh ever gone to God. have you ever yes. gone to kiss or oh sorry no I don't think meant cinema stopped working I've got a list of times that happened I've, okay. got, I've got multiple well, films I was just going to ask if you've ever been interrupted like when you were about to kiss your I was gonna. I would say love of your life, but you're married to them now. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been interrupted? You ever been interrupted? Uh, not what at the cinema. Not really. Not at the cinema specifically. But never mind. Eh? I just. I was just. I wonder where this yeah. is going. Nowhere. Okay. Um, I, I could tell you anyway. films I've seen at the cinema that paused and I was fuming. So one was as kids, I went with uh, 
my uncles to go and see Tarzan and uh, for whatever reason the screening was just like it just stopped working and they excellent said it Phil Collins excellent yeah. Phil Collins soundtrack and we were really annoyed but they were buzzing because I'm pretty sure at the time there was a Pokemon film out which we could go and see instead so we went to see that and I can just remember our dads being like seriously <laughs> just I don't like, know whether I mentioned on the furious yeah well no wonder because they'd already seen it as well they'd already seen it we'd already made them see it so they were like we're gonna have to sit through this have I mentioned on the pod before that I got called into the headmaster's office for writing a Pokemon story? No. What? What's wrong with, what's wrong with Pokemon? It's fine. Apparently a lot. So in, in like, when in year six, we had to write a story, like a creative story. And I started writing, I can't take you seriously when you're eating yogurt like that. Um, anyway, um, I he's literally eating a bowl of yogurt. It's the weirdest thing. Um, John, if, for anyone that doesn't know, John actually like doesn't eat food for enjoyment he just eats what? it to stay alive like we this has been a joke for years that john just when eats i used to live food. with jamie he's just like johnny b only eats food to survive it's not because he enjoys eating food he doesn't like, enjoy eating food he just he eats to literally fuel his body that to was allow it that was it and to in, continue moving and, and in working. jamie's defense when i was younger i was so fussy with food i think that statement was relatively true i don't think it's so as right. true now but it's well anyway it's, uh, anyway yeah sorry listen i was writing my pokemon story right? sorry yeah because i had a like we, this was around the time we were like trading pokemon cards and stuff so we, we wrote a creative story me and my me and my best friend at the time lee we were, we were like both writing this story and it was like yeah like get the pokeballs and like throw the poke pokeballs and catch your bulbasaur like all, all this right and and Did then they like think it had a dodgy connotation by any chance i don't know but the next day it was like um our head teacher shout out to mr rangecroft mr rangecroft wants to see you in his office and i was like I've, I was a good kid. I was like, I've never been called into the office. What is going on? So uh, Rangy took us down to the office and he was like, you sat, you sat there and he was like, it was honestly like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off or something like, and he like literally like had the two bits of work there and me and my mate were sitting there. He's like, what's this? And we were like, it's Pokemon. Like, <laughs> and, and, he, and he was like, he read it out to us and he's like, it's absolutely absurd. And he basically was just like, don't ever do this again. Like, hey, you need to think he, of something. If like, he didn't know what Pokemon was, though, he could have been ruining creative genius. Well, what just if saying. I was going to write the next Digimon or something? Do you know what I mean? Like, but anyway, hilarious. Anyway, I don't know how we got there, but... Um, we did. I don't know what we were talking to. Speaking talking of people about. that write their own work, though, that is a very good link, Jamie. Uh, Sebastian tells Mia... <laughs> that she should write her own play rather than auditioning and and he's unhappy with his life because he's he's uh gigging essentially uh playing music he doesn't want to play in in fancy restaurants and he wants to keep jazz alive so he takes me to a jazz bar she doesn't like jazz so he's sorry go he said connor can i just say she says i hate jazz and he's like what do you mean you hate jazz there's, there's conflict, there's compromisation. It's new every night. It's very, very exciting. It's yeah. really funny. It was like it was like me responding to someone saying they don't like dirty dancing. Yeah, essentially. And basically, yeah, Sebastian um, inspires Mia to write her own play, which is, I believe, what her auntie did as well. Is that right? Or something her auntie said she could do? Because she works at a theatre? Well, anyway. I, I'm not sure. So, Mi- sure. so Mia writes her own stage play and basically the next few months are building up to her doing this. Whilst Sebastian feels bad because he lives in a bit of a rundown apartment and Mia, he's happy with Mia, their relationship is going well. However, 
her, her mum calls up and says, what does he do? Does he own a place? Like, is he saving? Is he getting it together? And he looks up and there's just a shot of him looking up and there's just damp on the ceiling. And he's thinking, I need to get myself together and, and provide basically and have a have a better he needs to get a steady job yeah that's what he overhears and he essentially then gets he's been offered the night before by none other than john legend himself um a role in a band but he doesn't want to play in the band because it's like it's not just jazz it's like new wave jazz i think it would be described as so yeah the messengers and basically ryan uh, ryan (laughs) sorry sebastian starts playing for this band and he doesn't really enjoy it because it's not him like you have this great sequence where a photographer's there making him like pull faces to camera and like oh, backwards cap and all lip. that stuff no no he's he's, he's, he's caught bite your lip play something bite, play bite. something you're, you're a penis aren't you're, you play something <laughs> <laughs> you want some so the one thing I love right about this so this is like it goes through seasons so it goes mm-hmm. and it starts off a winter then it goes spring summer blah 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 and then fall in and summer, fall is when it all goes peak tong yeah so in summer this is when we see like a montage almost of them just having the most amazing time. time. We see them falling in love with each other. And when they're together and they're doing that, they, they sort of encourage each other to be, to be better and to follow your dreams, this kind of thing. And so the saddest, the saddest part of the whole film is when they start not separating, but they, they, they no longer can spend as much time together because they're he's working like, he, so hard on what they think is their dream. Well, the th- that's the thing is like, he's on tour with the band, but like the he band's like out. silly money. Yeah. He yeah, sells, he sells out to the devil, pretty much. He does something he's not interested in. Um, and you see the first signs of it. Like she's, she's waiting for him to get home and then she goes to bed and then, and then he, you see like clips of him getting into bed, fully clothed, sleeping on top of the covers. Mm-hmm. There's that, there's that lack of intimacy and, and that, I think that's really powerful. Like that is it's so sad to see as well, because it's, that, that is what happens. That's what happens in real life when it's when you're working really hard and you, you don't get to spend the time you want with the person that you love. It's really difficult. And that's how people grow apart. Yeah. And I, I think what this film does a really good job at is showing that, um, they are very good for each other to get into their endpoints, but their endpoints isn't necessarily them being together. And I think that's a really interesting aspect to it. And unfortunately, when it all starts to go Pete Tong is um, Mia does her one woman show, but this the pho- um, the photographer's taking shots of the band, and it's the one night Sebastian needs to get home early, and he doesn't get home in time, and he doesn't go to see Mia's play. But because he doesn't go to see the play she's devastated because he's not there and she kind of thinks that's the end of the relationship it was already kind of winding down before well, but that's yeah. like the killer blow um but we have we've skipped the pit though the the argument which is really well the, the, really important the argument being do you like the music you play which is the most skate anyone who's because she sees his band she sees his band and he's he's like it's, it's ridiculous really isn't it like well, well you say this i don't mind the track i think it's fine but what's funny is like she i think part of things she can't deal with is he's gone from being this guy who doesn't want to have this lifestyle to there's all the screaming women who like run past her going towards stage and she and i think he like gives one of them a glancing look and she's a bit like i he's not who i thought he was now is that right? what you t- is that what you took from that i didn't a little bit I, no I, I, I think he he's got he's getting i don't think he's doing anything dodge but he's he's lost in the allure of it all right i'm surprised you said that because so i in fact we 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 don't we often disagree. disagree on the pod but i must say i think the only reason she 
Um, and I think she is definitely the catalyst um, throughout this in a positive way to him. She is really upset when she watches him playing because she knows it's just not him. And he's he's behind he's playing behind these dancers and she's, yeah, she just I knows see. that it's like he has like sold out and he's, he's sold his soul to the devil. And and she's she knows that he's not enjoying playing it. It's like his, he's just giving these little smirks like that. I just I think that she's sad that he's. I don't disagree. Stopped, stopped following his dream and sort of doing this to make money. But, I but guess. also, but, I but think this is for her. No, but it's I think them. I think the flip side of that is there is a resentment because she wants to be a star and he didn't want to be a star and now he is. I think that is a part. Disagree. Of it. Oh, I disagree. No, on but, that. No, but look, this is why relationships are interesting because people have different perceptions on the exact same oh, situations. Jamie but, and Johnny are about to break up. Yeah. And, uh, no. Last ever yeah. episode of movies and a podger. No, I, like yeah. it's that's no. But there you go. Okay, this is interesting. So my thing was. I think they support each other really well to get to reach their dreams as it were but his dream isn't that like he then tries to convince himself that is his dream but that's not his dream I believe that yes she is upset that he's not doing the thing he loves but on the flip side he tells and says to her I did this for you it was to keep you happy and it wasn't really it was to keep her mum happy it's the a conversation he overheard on the phone is what he's taken that job for he's got the wrong end of the stick really he, like. yeah but again communication is key in a relationship he should have spoke to her about it and he probably would have found out but also Ooh. but you know but the, the successfully other, married <laughs> John but, but <laughs> no but the other, the other thing with that is like I do think the resentment thing I stick by that because I'm not saying she's jealous of the fact he's performing to the women I think or men or whatever is the fact that he didn't want it but he's got it do you know what I'm saying like, listen to me you sound exactly point, like Ryan Gosling in that argument when he uh, said <laughs> well maybe maybe, maybe, you, I need to maybe you liked me better when I was on my ass because it made you feel better about yourself no John no, yeah just, you, you, no, you just you're can't twisting handle, words now you can't I, handle no, the no, fact no. That, he's, that he's successful you can't handle it I, I believe that yeah I believe part of it is that and then when she then starts to be successful she gets a call back from her her stage play someone's gone to see it, a proper casting director who really likes her and they're going to make this part around her but they phone up to his apartment and they've broken up and, and he doesn't know what to do like well he doesn't know what to do he goes down to her parents and like makes sure she gets that audition so he still helps her have her big break and he still inspired her to write that play. Now she wrote it, and he can't take all the credit. But they help each other. Like they do. They, that's do. the whole effective, beauty of effective it. Effective when they're together. That's, that's yeah. the problem. Like no, not the problem. Sorry. That's that's the beauty of it. There. As soon as they're not together, it's they, when things go wrong. Yeah, yeah. And and I think when they've got less time to spend with each other, to to I, I don't know. Sort I think it they're, out. They're perfect for each other, and and in a certain way like the I guess I counted when when she does her play for the first time that he doesn't turn up to because he's he's at this photo shoot bite your lip but go on look down bite your lip play something you're a keyboard player aren't you Um, 11 people turn up no Seb three of her friends yeah she can't play pack the theatre and when and it shows back to her bedroom at her parents house and she's got all these awards for like theatre whatever yeah and it's like it's almost like it's, it's that age old thing and I mentioned this Funnily enough, on the Tick, Tick, Boom episode, I mentioned this. The saddest part about all of this is that not like there is a it's a bit of sweet ending to this film. The sweet ending is the fact that they both managed to like realize their dreams. their dreams. Exactly. Yeah. So so that's that is a good Hollywood bit. The, the thing I, I find sick about about life, I guess, like not 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 me, like I sound bitter. I'm like, I'm, I'm cool. 
is that there there will be so many people in the world that would be so talented and could give us so much that don't have the ability to pursue it because they don't have the money mm-hmm. um, and they've got to go get a real job like and there's people like um well, I can't remember Andrew Garfield's name in Tick Tick Boom now yeah I know, I know it's saying I'm but there's people like that that like yeah. are like completely would sacrifice everything just like um Mia and Seb they sacrifice their relationship I guess in a way so to realize their dream yeah yeah don't disagree I think Mia Mia and Seb are as I said they're great for each other in the sense of getting to a a destination but it's not necessarily that they're meant to be together which is really like really hard and I I think also like I think relationships build different parts of you right so like people offer different things like you'll have negative points and you have positive points but you learn about yourself and I think they probably learned as much about themselves through the other partner than by just the partner telling them does that make sense that's yeah, no, like no, why they've I, grown I agree um, you also do I also do think that the we basically see that like Mia becomes successful as an actor we don't see anything of Ryan Gosling but we know that Mia's successful and then, and then she's driving in the car with her oh, with her husband well right? it, it starts before that they're, they're, they're calling a babysitter and you don't see who the the man is you don't see then he goes over to kiss her and you see hold on that's not Ryan Gosling it just said one year later and you kind of presume in your head filling in the gaps they'd end up together because before that they've had after her audition they've had a chat on the the bench where they first met and they said I'll always I'll always love you and he says I'll always love you and you just kind of think it's going to be one of those films where it's not the right time but give it 12 months they'll get back together because he's finished the tour with the band he's got his jazz club set up and she's achieved her dream, right? And then everything's going to be hunky-dory. Hard cut a year later, that's not the case. She has um, a child with said husband, who we, we don't know who it is, and they're going out into LA. And as they go out into LA, they miss their reservation somewhere. So they say, that, well, we'll pop to this club. Should we pull off and go for a drink? And then where they end up is uh, Ryan Gosling's bar. Now, just to say he's playing some banging music when she comes in like some good jazz band stuff good fun and then as soon as he sees her we return to and I don't know if we've talked about this enough and we probably should have throughout the film there's a motif on the piano which is essentially like their love theme but it's kind of got a tragic edge to it because um, it's got like feel like it is in a minor key i don't want to say that wholeheartedly but i believe i feel it is. i feel like it must be in a minor key feels like it's an a flat can you um is. do you reckon oh no your dad wouldn't have seen it would he was that la la land yeah he has seen la la land i don't think he loved it to be honest should we call him on the pod and ask him if he's <laughs> asking what key it's in he would probably know as well he would which probably is really funny um yeah we should have pre-warned him and we could have called him up um never mind but yeah i think yeah it's a sad piece which normally leads into like a, a jazzy number as it were which is happier but anyway he starts playing that yeah. I mean he's doing and it really slowly and then you whip into this insane montage of what their life could have been and for a second well it makes you don't you... know if it could have been mate you don't know if it could have well, been you think you think that this is their life you think you're getting you think you're getting a happy ending 
So Damien Chazelle does a very clever thing and he does it in Whiplash as well. And it's like you get your false ending and then you get your real ending. So the false ending in Whiplash is spoilers for Whiplash. He walks spoilers off. Spoilers for Whiplash. Give give yourself. Spoilers prior to saying the spoiler. Just give yourself a good 30 seconds and skip forward 30 seconds. He, spoilers for Whiplash. He goes on stage and no, he go, he comes off the stage. He thinks J.K. Simmons thinks he's beaten him and you think that's going to be the end of the film. And then he goes back on and he does the performance of a lifetime, right? And that's kind of, that's the, the false ending. La La Land's false ending is, hey guys, here's what we think is the life they've lived together. And then you hard cut back to the jazz club. No, that's all a dream. It's all a nonsense. Actually, they're just here. And then cut to the end. You don't have any time to breathe afterwards. It's straight to the end. It's an emotional gut punch. And that's why it's such an effective ending. I... Yeah, and and that when I when I say about like how they're, it is a sad ending, and I would say it's bittersweet because they've both become successful. But what does what does success really mean if you're not doing it with the person that you love? You love. It's at what and, cost, isn't it? It's the it's the age. But old. at what cost? Uh, I don't know why I did that. Um, what, what films are? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I I've heard it somewhere. I. Yeah, that that's the I think that's the saddest thing. Like, and and would you? The question is this: Would you to like to realize your dream? Right, your dream, John, is to reshoot Alien Three with <laughs> Jason with Jason Fincher. Who's that? <laughs> with yeah, probably like probably um, bargain bin. <laughs> Jay, what's his actual name David Fincher David Bar- yeah bargain basement Fincher right so your dream would be to re- reshoot uh, David Fincher's Alien 3 I don't think it right? would be but yeah go on anyway no yeah, it wouldn't fine. it wouldn't right but whatever your dream is I don't know what it is John um, to, to make this podcast big bigger would <laughs> <laughs> would you take that ring off and chuck it in the fire the cracks of doom unfortunately not for you mate uh, no you wouldn't no of course no, you wouldn't like, look, look uh, the thing I would relate I would, it to by is by the way I wouldn't either yeah yeah um, no what I'd relate it to is in life you get offered certain jobs at certain times of your life and at yeah. some points it's like the right time other times it's the wrong time and I think this film has that vibe to it right and it does a large part of that is talking about how it affects relationships or, or stages of life you're at so I used to do a job where I was on the road a lot I was away a lot but that wouldn't have been that bad but now wife also was in a role where she was away a lot for work in terms of long shifts and stuff so we could go you know for four days nights without even seeing each other and it was yeah. really really hard which is why then we went on the complete flip opposite and went traveling and just was in each other's pockets for an entire year and a half which is the other way but what i'm saying is recently there's been roles in like joining uh f1 teams or like all right John no, big, no, no, big no. player no 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 no, 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 no genuinely I'm it's joking, just on LinkedIn stuff for like a videographer or whatever it sounds really exciting or even football clubs is a good example and essentially they're not always greatly paid but also you are committing your life to being part of the travelling circus like in a football season for nine months of the year you will be doing you know how what time football matches finish you know how far up and down the country they are so at that stage in my life I wouldn't do that but would it be a dream to work for a club like I don't know Man United? James is going to kill me, but you know, yeah, of course it would. Would it be a dream to go and work for McLaren or Mercedes or or whatever? Yeah, it would. But I'm not realistically at a point in my life now where I would be able to commit myself the way I would have done 
10 years ago or five years, five, probably even five years ago for like whatever, because you're at a different stage. And I think this film is that point. Like it's like they're crossing paths at kind of the wrong point. I don't know. Do you, sliding I, doors. The, we we kept saying sliding doors the other day, didn't we? Yeah. And and the whole section another film great film by was the way. all about like the fact yeah. of like all these people's paths just not quite hitting at the right point. It's really difficult because there obviously are people out there that would sacrifice everything, um, like everything, their relationship, everything for for what they want to do, their dream. You could call it selfish, or you could just you could you could just say that like I don't know that we we we're on Earth one time for really a flicker of time and and you should do what makes you happy but God, this is at the same time deep yeah, um, yeah but, but it's true like but the ending of this film is 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 incredibly deep and so the, the, th- the thing that it does leave us with is that they're both not truly happy she she <sighs> yeah. it cuts back to her right and she's like she's a bit distraught really and this man that is nowhere near as good looking as ryan gosling or can play piano like <laughs> ryan gosling he is like, shall we, do you want to stay for another drink or do you want to go? And she's like, ah, I think we need to go. And Ryan Gosling, he seems more happy than her, but I, I still don't I think they're truly happy. And it's, and it's, do you know what's heartbreaking? I want to see, I'd like to see uh, Emma Stone break up with that guy and just, yeah. Can I just say though, when this montage we keep talking about is they have all the musical motifs from the whole film in like uh, in like a suite in the space of like seven, sequence. ten minutes and it's brilliant. So you start back at, we've got Another Day of Sun then you go into like their main uh, love theme and it just kind of takes you all through the emotions and then when they're like dancing, there's another scene we didn't talk about earlier where they're in the auditorium from... Um, rebel without cause and they're kind of like flying through the sky and it's like very musical in its own world and they're imagining that sequence again you get the whole like orchestra kind of you know big strings like wagner-esque strings all kicking in like love romantic it's just so gorgeous like it's incredible and then you know it essentially ends on two shots of two people looking at each other on like a medium close-up which is ryan gosling gives a tiny nod with his hair all over his face after giving the performance of a lifetime to emma stone and she gives him a nod of like acceptance and like a slight smile and then she walks away the end by the way and it's brutal it's not nice is it it's no like her going home in the car being like but she's still happy she's got a daughter and like it's cool or he goes back and like he's with someone else or like anything it's just that is it yeah and I think that's why it's such a gut punch and like again as I said at the start of the pod and we laughed about I watch that film every time in hope that there's a, an alternate ending or something different will happen. I know, I know full well It'd be what way happens. less effective, and the, of course the film it would, is. The film wouldn't. Do you know what? The film wouldn't be as good. It would. It, yeah, it would. It would be pretty rubbish to be honest. I, if it was the, then the way, like you know, yeah. oh, and it all it was all happily ever after. And the, the whole point is, it's not the way they intended it to be, but it still worked for them. Is the way I kind yeah. of look at it. But I hate yeah. the way it makes me feel. Like I hate the way it makes me feel. But the fact that it makes me feel some something so. Make, uh, like melancholic uh, for something that doesn't even exist is the way yeah. I would describe it but yeah there we go um, I think that's a pretty good summary of La La Land though I mean it's it's a hard one again uh, I always find it harder with films that we're passionate about some because you always you, like I'll get off this episode I'll think of 20 things I wish I'd said and da 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 listen well, this this film's so deep and so uh, complex we, we could talk about it for we could probably have a part one and part two episode 
But Actually, that doesn't really matter right now because... I'll give one shout out to one thing we haven't mentioned, but we were buzzing off when we were messaging each other, which is um, we've mentioned the primary colours. We mentioned some of the cinematography of the dream sequences. What's well, dream sequences? The dance numbers. Yeah. There's a sequence that Jamie and I buzz over because when they're having meal at the uh, meal at the apartment, um, there's like a big green the argument meal. in the background, and the yeah, and like green is like the sign of envy, is the color for envy, isn't it? And like they're yeah. envious of each other because well, yeah. I I told you my side of the argument. I thought she was envious of the fact he's become successful at that point, but we disagreed. But also, it's with a net curtain behind, and it's just like the lighting from Vertigo when. Um, she's been transformed for the first time and she steps out and you get the green hue and it's just like, oh my God, that's amazing. I love that. So, yeah. Well, Kate reviews films writes in and she says, did Chazelle peak at Whiplash? No. I say yes. When I say I say yes, Kate says. she writes in and she says, yes, he peaked at Whiplash. Oh, now, I will, I will respectfully seen, disagree. I've seen Whiplash twice. I've seen La La Land three times. Yeah. I personally think La La Land is... Um, when, so when we say peak, I think La La Land is... It's a much grander... It, do you know what? It's it's um, it's James uh, James Cameron's T2. It is... Interesting. Bigger budget, bigger scale... Yeah, yeah. Um, he he he's he's the I mean the budget was still only thirty million by the way thirty million pound budget and it made four hundred and forty eight point nine million at the box office wowee is this La La Land yes sorry not yes. with the fact sorry, that right. the fact that they did that with La La Land mm-hmm. on a thirty million budget I'm I'm pretty impressed to be honest like but again the I think yeah I do, I do think that like La La Land's better because it's it's just massive it's it's Whiplash grand and he's done it's different though it's, it's more, an indie film yeah it's a four, four million I think it's a four million pound budget I really still, like it's Whiplash, still more than upgrade but it's so stressful to watch it's like it's it's a bit like Adam Sandler in um, Thingy Jewels what's it called Uncut Gems it's Uncut Gems I think yeah Uncut Gems Stress. Whiplash is Whiplash is incre- put it this way if if La La Land's a 9.5 Whiplash is a 9.4 I mean, I, and I love both of them. In fact, I would probably just say I, I love both of them equally. I think they're both incredible. But I would say in terms of filmmaking, what Damien Chazelle has achieved with La La Land is better. I would say I was a bit disappointed with First Man. I think First Man is a good film, but it's not. I seen this it's, one. It's actually. not. I wouldn't say it's a great film. I think part of the problem was the first two films are so orientated through the music. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, obviously La La Land's a musical, so it's a bit of a daft thing to say, but Whiplash has such a, a big musical element to it. And then to not have any of that in First Man, I'm not sure how it would link in. I suppose what I should... I'm being, do you know what? I'm being stupid here because it's a director who's obviously spreading his wings and doing different genres and trying different things. And the other thing he does really well is you know we talk about that constructed ending and how you build up to that ending and then it takes place and it's like a 15 minute build he does the exact same thing with First Man and it's a fantastic really? sequence sounds like a one trick pony no no it's really really well done I'm really really good but um, I don't know I remember at the time I just kind of saw it and forgot about it do you know what I mean it wasn't one of those biopics yeah, just no. kind of you know it was it was fine I, I it's not got the Apollo 13 is always my go-to for those. I mean, we did it on the pod, but that's that's kind of the one I remember and the one I've seen the most. And but anyway, there we go. Um, yeah, no, I agree. And um, 
like I uh, yeah I, 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 La La Land is is incredible and we have we have paired it with um, I think it's a banging pairing. Bonjour, Madame Yvonne. Ah, bonjour, Monsieur Maxence. Alors, il l'a trouvé Toujours pas. Qu'est-ce qu'il a perdu Son idéal féminin. Voilà. C'est elle. Qui a fait ce portrait Je viens de te le dire, Amélie We spoke about it at the beginning of the pod. The young girls of Roquefort, or if, if, you're, if you're in France, Les Demoiselles uh, de Roquefort. Jack Stemmy, 1967. Hello. Right, we've got some key things to talk about with this film. And the number one thing is, why is everyone in white leather boots? <laughs> why is everyone in white leather boots, John? It was the weirdest thing ever. Um, and I mean, does it really matter? Because no one's going to be able to access it um, outside of... <laughs> if, if they're in... <laughs> any, all of the UK listeners, I'm really sorry. You're going to have to... John had to come around my house yesterday on a Sunday. You're going to have to go to HMV, go to Amazon and order... Or you can go straight to BFI, British Film Institute, non-sponsor of the pod. Um, they have got a really nice Blu-ray. It's a 2K restoration of this film. Um, that's how you're going to have to watch it. And that's the only way you can watch it currently, unless you've got your ways, which is I wouldn't recommend. A few know. complaints on, on, on this scenario as well. Like the the box set, who does it say has lead bidding on the box? Oh, um, <laughs> Gene Kelly. How long is Gene Kelly in this film for? Gene Kelly turns up 45 minutes in and I'm going to give you this argument, John. Okay. He turns up 45 minutes in, right? Yeah. And because the first 45 minutes we don't see him and we don't know when he's coming, we don't even know what language he's going to be speaking. So I'm like, I'm like quite excited to see what he's going to be doing. See, he turns up, he turns up and oh my goodness. Don't we know? It's electric. It's, it's literally electric. It's, it's, it's so fun when he turns up and he's, he's just being Gene Kelly like he's incredible he's an incredible dancer an incredible performer and yeah I, I love that bit so much do you know what we probably ought to give a synopsis for the film that no one can watch <laughs> so what's essentially for me it's like there's a boat party as in like there's a maritime fair going on and they're all going to this town aren't they and yeah. you basically meet two twin sisters who are telling us their story through song they have a mother who works at the local cafe and a lot of the story revolves around this local cafe. She has a son by another man who's younger and it's basically about all these people are unhappy with their relationships and by the end of the film they're either in a new relationship or they've rekindled an old love. Would you say that's a fair reflection pretty much of the film? Yeah, yeah, and a very base, base like, no, the it's... The, the two the two twins that are looking for love and um yeah they're in there's a there's a french painter I, it's funny <laughs> i feel really bad right i feel really bad because i've just banged on about gene kelly for ages and the he's the only english person in the film That's or american point, person yeah. in the film like and there's, there's actually some fantastic performances um like catherine deneuve um and francois deloriac are both brilliant um, I did. I did really enjoy it. It just was maybe. I think I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Um, I found it a little bit. It's again. It's really long. It's two hours and ten minutes, which I was surprised at. Yeah. yeah, I was surprised at a film of that age. Um, but in terms of the the aesthetic of the film, it's it's remarkable. It's isn't sunshine, it? bright summertime vibe throughout. 
You want to feel happy, man. Do you know what? We watched this 11 o'clock on a Sunday, we, on a Sunday morning. <laughs> on a rainy Sunday morning. I had, I had to text John. I was like, um, we really need to watch this film for the pod light. And um, are you going to come round? And he was like, um, and I, th- I think you were just trying to find it somewhere else and you just couldn't even find it anywhere. And you were no. like, yeah, it's going to have to be early. I was like, yeah, how early? You were like, um, like 11 o'clock. I'm like, yeah. So 11 o'clock, it was, do you know what? Perfect Sunday film, I would say. Yeah, it, it was good. It was good for bringing up the mood and like, look, the opening sequence for me was quite fun because we like James was like, is this going to start like another another day of sun? Like, are we going to have everyone dancing on top of the cars? And we don't quite get that. They're not singing for the opening number. There's the guys, the maritime guys are out. The sailors are out in their outfits and their white boots, white leather boots. And then like, they're kind of getting ready for this fair, aren't they? They're getting all the stuff ready for this fair. The big buildup is, will the sisters perform at this fair? And there's traveling bike salesmen, who are trying to basically get with the daughters, but they start talking about how they're basically, how am I going to say this politely? They're they're one 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 night standers and they're gone, so yeah, they don't yeah, want well, they don't yeah, want to get involved, right? Old school, like that's like that's what it used to be like, isn't it? Like the yeah. men would come to port and and then go, yeah. then go. Then so go. so yeah, Big, yeah. The yeah, the main the, the, my favorite like one of my favorite characters, and I I was really confused when I first watched it. So the lead the lead. The, what's the blonde sister called? So I don't want to then completely get this wrong. Oh, I don't. I, um, okay. I think I think she's. Uh, is it Solange? Believe so. Yes. You're just her, gonna say that, aren't you? Her OG partner, her original partner, is an artist, and he it shows him at work. And I thought he was firing like a water pistol with paints in it, or something. And then in the second scene, it shows like he does like modern art, doesn't he? You know, like like Jackson Pollock kind of splattered against the wall, that kind of it's stuff. It's Delphine. We got it. I had a 50-50 oh, chance completely of getting it right. wrong. wrong. It's Delphine, sorry, not so And much. he's basically just got balloons hanging in front of a canvas with paint in it, and he just shoots live bullets at them. And for some reason, I just found this thoroughly entertaining. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's basically like she doesn't want to be with him because he thinks that he can make her better. Like he doesn't respect her. She says, you, you, I hate that guy. you like me for my body and for what I represent rather than who I am. And, and he, he agrees. And he, he, he's basically like, yeah, pretty much. But his character is just like, I love the fact that is just a guy in an art place and he's just shooting a live pistol rounds into paint balloons. I find it quite entertaining. And she mugs him off like throughout the film over and over and over again and i appreciate that yeah um we, we've we've also got uh maxence the blonde sailor oh uh, yeah who is the french painter who so sorry in the exhibit there is a painting of someone that looks just like her and she's obsessing over the fact that someone loves her or her yeah. or an idea of her but they they've never met her and reading between the lines we said early on i think it's going to be this blonde sailor guy who's come into town who keeps talking about his long ideal of a of a lover etc um and yeah there you go like i think we pretty much know for certain by the end it is him but they never meet it's kind of these the destinies or paths weren't supposed to cross etc etc yeah and and so the weird thing like there's a few things about this film the the only actor in the whole film um, that actually sings is Danielle Darieux. Um So no one else actually sings for themselves in the film. So when we thought that Gene Kelly was singing in French, I don't believe he was. Um, 
the one thing I think the thing that I, I love the most about about this pairing, not the film, but the pairing, is the fact that everything ties up. It's exactly what you'd expect. Almost an although this is French New Wave technically, it, it's exactly what you'd expect from an old Hollywood type film. The you think there's not going to be a happy ending, but there is a happy ending, and even Maxence, who's like walking away at the end, they bump into each other and it's living happily ever after. I think of this more as a fairy tale, um, whereas I think of like La La Land. You could look at that as a fairy tale, but it's more like the Brothers Grimm fairy tale. Yeah, so like you know, rea- reality biting back in exactly. Yeah. Like it's a it's a quite a, I wouldn't say nasty ending but but with with certainly with uh, the young girls it is yeah it's, it's like just a happy ending and there's a lot of tragedy as well you've got the the weird like axe murderer subplot so which is like really so yeah like 11 o'clock chilling out having a nice old time eating my popcorn Jamie gave me like, a massive bowl of microwave popcorn I'd literally just had breakfast and was surprised I couldn't eat it but anyway whatever uh, and just chomping <laughs> chomping away and then all of a sudden like out of nowhere they're like oh um, so basically the the twin the twin the twin girls they their mother works at the cafe which we talked about and she's got the younger son so yeah. a lot of the plot is about this son basically like his childcare arrangements are, are always just different people picking up from school all the time basically and like isn't it like you see him get yeah, picked yeah, up by yeah, different yeah, people yeah. and then yeah. essentially it's like oh by the way there's an axe murder at the school <laughs> it's like alright okay just out of nowhere like, it's just like a plot point where it's just like oh there's an axe murder and someone's been ki- like violently killed it's like yeah, and, and it turns right? out it's like this spoilers as well for this film I mean it's not it really <laughs> listen you, you ain't wait, you're not to, like, get on that. you're not watching this film for the axe murder or subplot so don't worry about that <laughs> but you're watching it for the the sheer joy of everything that's going on it's an old chap who goes to read his newspaper and eat his chips at the cafe every day yeah and it's, it's just really, completely random and it's just like who what I just anyway whatever it just, I mean I loved it like I'm it I'm, caught I'm, me off guard offended by it it's yeah. almost like the film was like are you still paying attention here's a subplot John and I looked at each other like is this actually like a serious thing because I I can't actually get this do you Um, know what we haven't really discussed yet we've gone quite plot heavy what we should really talk about is what why we watch this film is there's a lot of uh, cinematography elements which are repeated in La La Land or or influenced so there's a lot of long takes like Jamie was writing notes about the fact there was a mat like the opening there's this it starts like a big wide shot and then ends in someone's bedroom window essentially it's like a crane shot yeah. and it's, it's like just, a crane shot that goes on and on and on I say to Jamie the focus puller must have been having a nightmare just trying to keep that all in and we've um, seen that he did have a nightmare well there were some, some bits that some were a bit hazy but come on this is pre-digital um, and there yeah essentially there's a lot of sequences when they're doing the performances, they are done in like master shots, like longer, wider shots. Really long with... takes. It's so it's so impressive for this for the age of this film. Mm-hmm. And then it what it also does, which really struck me visually, is if anyone's watched Peep Show, you know that kind of weird disorientation when someone's looking directly down the lens and talking to you. There's parts of this film where they're singing to each other and the world around them and then every so often they break the fourth wall and they're talking directly to you and they're like, oh, that's my mum and that's so-and-so. And it's, it is quite jarring, but that I think that's done to make it feel either like a theatrical performance, like you're at the theatre, or yeah. also maybe, it, I said to you, it's kind of like a, are you still engaged? Like we're addressing you directly. Do you know what I mean? Like don't get lost in this kind of 
massively wide performance now I, we didn't mention this but there's only one part in La La Land I remember someone directly looking at the camera and it's when they're getting ready for the night out and she says you can meet someone the right someone you need to know something something and it's not Mia it's one of her friends and they kind of wink at camera and it's the only yeah. little literally wink wink nudge nudge to the audience was this is like there's a lot of it there's a lot of being spoken to directly but it's putting you in a position maybe of a character rather than the audience I don't know but just a interesting side note the Arab Khaleesi writes in and she says friend of the show uh, and she loves this film as well so I think she's quite excited for this podcast in in general Um, maybe not excited after I answer this question Um, Demi says he thinks the world should be like a musical where we communicate through song kind of like birds I guess Um, this is what that's what I said and then um, what do you think of that mindset in his films do you agree um, excited for the episode to be fair they do still have dialogue between the characters so it's not all sung but like we said I feel the difference was they sing to explain story rather than to express emotion I suppose they are interlinked but it's more exposition-y is, was my feeling yeah we, we said earlier on in the pod that like during during the like the, the difference between La La and, and this one was that they literally are and, and that's probably what I found quite difficult with this film is that a lot a lot of it's spoken very quickly and you really do have to concentrate to and you, you kind of when you're looking at the, the that the speed of the subtitles it was quite quick actually, yeah. some of the magic of of like what's going on on screen you still see it of course but I reckon it would take a few goes to really like get into that um, the communication through song I don't I mean I don't know whether you mean that he, everyday life should be communicated through I song. can't imagine calling Jamie up being like Jamie today is the day we'll do the podcast <laughs> I, and imagine the entire podcast of us just singing I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't want to hear that. I was going to say I wouldn't pay to hear that, but then you'd have to pay anyway. So no yeah, different. I, I mean, I, 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 I guess I love the, co- I just love that there's difference. Like, I mean, I don't know if I'm answering the question properly, but I like the fact that there is different ways to have a musical, whether it's communicating through song. Like, I mean, I know one of Arab Khaleesi's favorites is Hamilton. So that is a story told through song, which is one of the most effective things I've ever seen. It's really effective in the young girls. I haven't seen Umbrellas of Cherbourg, so I can't comment, but I think that if done properly, then then yeah, I, I mean, I agree with his mindset because he he kind of like pioneered a lot of this. Like, look, he's, I guess he's, he's fueled one of the greatest um, musical directors of today, like uh, Damien Chazelle, who's like, who loves, who loves music. And, and I guess uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who also tells, tell stories completely through a song so yeah I mean I love I love that mindset but I, I also I also love La La Land as well where we we don't have that and we've got actual to be speaking so yeah interesting question um, yeah so John Gene Kelly has a total of 10 minutes of screen time in this film um, <laughs> got a great pink shirt on though hasn't he salmon shirt yeah salmon shirt oh, it's beautiful isn't it salmon shirt and he's nice got his car little, his little yeah it's there's a there's some really like just fun scenes like in general in throughout the whole film like this the the way it's shot is brilliant you were really impressed with how the camera manages to shoot that big mirror and not be 
and not get himself yeah, so, on camera. So the two sisters are dance instructors. They're doing a ballet class. And you keep cutting to this massive mirror and there's parts where they're basically filming it dead on. I'm like, that is impressive, like to not be in that reflection. I did a shoot last week in a gym with multiple mirrors and there's so many shots where I thought I'd kept out of the mirrors and with all the wood in the world, they'd just pop up, reflection of pop up. There's film tricks for that. Like you can tilt them at certain angles and stuff to help you out. But you you mentioned really this see. yesterday, didn't you? But it's, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it was impressive. Very much so. Did you, well, like, so let's wrap up, like, really. We never go into the second film in, in as much depth. The we've, we've, And we spoke about it at the beginning as well with, like, how, how the, the colour palettes are very similar, like, the colours are popping. Um, what did you think of this? Like, what was your, like, how did you feel about um, this film? I feel like there is an element of bits being lost in translation, if I'm being completely honest, because I Agreed. felt like it was a very quick subtitle read. I think the opening number of the two sisters is fantastic. Like that sets the tone for the entire film, right? When you've got them doing the exposition dump, as I as I joked. Yeah, I loved that, and I loved Max Ons's in the in the coffee shop. I, uh, the the blonde the blonde sailor. His he had yeah. a fantastic song as well. Not so keen on the guy who I, the whole subplot of the of the second guy who's like my second name's a joke. So one night, one day in the night my partner left me because she doesn't like my second name that song does nothing for me you know the one when they're in the in the music shop yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah wasn't yeah. fussed about that one um and i would say there's probably not enough repeats of tracks so like la la land had a heavy heavy use of motifs or like motifs which then repeat throughout the film and then by the end of it you kind of know i mean delphine and solange sing that same song a few times I mean, not enough times for me. Like, blah, I think blah, I had blah, it twice. Blah, blah, blah. I've got it in my head now, but I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> you know. Please, because I can't remember it. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. See? I, I'm doing the dance for you as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I Yeah, honestly, I know, okay, maybe they did it twice. I could have done with it a bit more. I think that's that's the standout. That's the one to go Yeah, off. like, do you think, do you think, like, it's just like the film um, The Batman, where they play something oh, no. in the way no, 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 twice, no, no, like no, they no, they probably no, needed no. that more, right? <laughs> that was no. A joke. Um, yeah, I think I agree with you. Like it was lost in translation. Um, I it reminded me a bit, right? Of and this sounds gonna sound crazy to everyone. I feel like the American version of this film was, um, and I'm, and again, I'm not the best person to speak to about musicals because I haven't really seen that many. Um, but it really did remind me a bit of White Christmas, um, right? Okay, the, the musical because it just of the way the story goes, and it's more of that's an I guess an American version of of what we watch, but just I guess less colours, etc., etc. It was stylish, described so. as a Shakespearean, like the the BFI box said it was like a Shakespearean like tale of tragedy from the fact of like a romantic tragedy because all these people just don't end up together or. They again. We're going back to sliding doors. They're just meeting each other at the wrong moment in their lives. Yeah. No. I mean. Yeah. And I do get that. Like I. It's also a classic. A classic ending as well, though. I would say. So. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah. I, I mean. I think I enjoyed it. I. I, I did. Um, I think I need. I wouldn't like to dismiss it because I need to um, watch it a, a couple more times. I probably. I think I probably landed on a seven out of ten. 
um but i know that i'm probably missing missing something like i, I did enjoy it but anyway just think the first time i watched ireland i probably was middling on it and it grew uh, on me. yeah so yeah. i think it could be one of those and i like, will watch this i will watch this again because it is so light-hearted and so fun and just yeah just just a really like it is a sweet film but it's got a nice vibe to it it has yeah it's got a, yeah a lovely vibe anyway just to, to end the show i was gonna say we're we gonna talk about next week's episode or are we gonna we are going to talk about next week's episode. So Jamie mentioned on the pod the other week that he's never seen Top Gun, and we m- we're a little later maybe than we probably should be, but we are going to watch Top Gun together. Hopefully, Jamie has bought his 4K of it, of course. And I actually, I actually only bought the normal uh, Blu-ray of. Well, I Get the out! Edition. I bought the special edition Blu-ray of Top Gun. No, I'm yeah. joking. I no, I. I'm intrigued to see what Jay makes this because he liked quite a lot of 80s films so I feel like he will like it but on the flip side Why have I not seen it John? Pardon? Why have I not seen it? I don't know I I don't know but it's got a banging soundtrack most of which you'll know anyway so I'm intrigued to see what you make of it because I'm not massively into my 80s cinema compared to you but I really like it so I'm intrigued and then also we're going to pair it uh, funnily enough with Maverick Uh, Top Gun Maverick so we're going to have a you're gonna have a big Tom Cruise Top Gun heavy episode. episode. You're gonna have a Tom Cruise heavy episode. I'll promise to try and not talk. I promise to try is the key bit there about Mission Impossible Two as much as possible. But there may be some some leakage. It's a Mission Impossible in its own right. Not Isn't speaking it about just? That we have got one more question, John. Before we leave, one final question from Watch with Beck, and she says, "This is probably too late." Guess what? It's not. It's not. You're in time. You are just in time. Um, do you think musicals get less respect than other film genres? John, I want to start this off by asking you, what do you, what film genre do you think gets the least respect? Comedies, probably, I would think, in my mind. Because how... Do, I'd agree. I, think I would comedies, absolutely agree. All films are subjective, but I think comedies even more so. Do you know what I mean? There are some of my favourite comedies that people hate and and it's so bizarre because I am very much like like I love like stuff like Bob's Burgers and um You love like, Sandler though, don't you? Like you're you're love Adam advocate. Sandler. And for me I'll I'll watch one and be like, Yeah, fine. But you'll be like Do you know, I, Yeah, I like but, really stupid I mean I'm I'm quite stupid myself. Like you've you've obviously heard me on the pod, like uh, lots of little stupid silly jokes. Like I, I think toilet humour is really funny. Um and I'm, and I'm 33 years old, do you know what I mean? I need to get a life. But I, w- I would also agree that I would agree with you because when I was thinking of this, I was thinking that comedies definitely do get the most flack. Like if you think of stuff like Grown Ups, like how hard is it to make people laugh? It's it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Like but- writing, writing. Obviously, I'm, I'm consistently doing it all the time. But <laughs> I'm joking. But writing Sympathies. stuff down, writing um, something down on paper to make someone laugh is difficult. Yeah. I, the only thing I would say on the flip side is, you know, the questions linking back to is, are musicals kind of derided or kind of treated harshly? I would say probably not. Because if you look back at Academy Awards for musicals were loved in terms of like, you look at Oscar, Oscar reception for things like La La Land or even go back to West Side Story or... Uh, Singing in the Rain Rain. I would argue from from what I know off the top of my head that they were critically well received at the time and got praise for them but I think they were probably of a time in my head 
let's say 40s to 60s i don't remember many later i know west side is probably 70s in my brain greece is 80s but greece was kind of like a one-off it wasn't like greece, you had a load greece of is, and it's based in the greece 50s is not 80s mate is it not i think greece is um 70 uh oh, is it late 70s i, I think so oh, i, don't, I okay. think so well bear in mind anyway, he did 78 sorry 78 okay i mean you're not I'm, far I'm off not far off but anyway I, yeah for some reason i had it in my, my head it was like 69 but then so I, yeah i i think it's just one of those just i feel I, like no i feel like they so, had their time and and like you know la la land kind of was harking back to that point and then the other musicals really are usually in children's films because i think kids are probably more receptive to the idea of expressing emotion through song or I that sounds really stupid but I'm trying to they're they're better at processing and conveying emotion okay so um so for me I would I would actually say that from specific demographics that yeah um musicals do get less respect than other films like if you think about most most guys most men I guess they like I mean chick flicks do you know what chick flicks probably get a lot of hate that's true um, so probably I love a good so, chick flick so, and so do I <laughs> so um, but I would I would think that to craft a great musical is extremely difficult um, so from from my point of view someone that likes films and cares about films then I, I would I would say I don't live I don't give musicals any less respect however I do give them less time because I've I've, I've got this big gap in my knowledge so I was too busy watching Commando um, but in terms of like respect in, from from like if you if you think about like well, I guess when I grew up I'd be like no I ain't watching Grease like do you know what I mean like in that in that respect yeah I, I would say that they do get less respect in from from certain people like mostly guys would be like no I ain't watching The Notebook even though it's not a musical toxic masculinity mate it is yeah yeah well, I guess so yeah there you go there you go um, so yeah I think it does get less respect but it shouldn't because musicals are really hard to make um, well good ones anyway and there you go <laughs> join us next episode for episode 36 36 I think so of the movies in a pod show podcast we're changing things by the way we're changing things we're going to change our co-host John's leaving uh, no he's not really um, John's staying f- no we would never movies in a pod show doesn't exist without John um, so we are changing things slightly we're now going to be releasing on a Wednesday um, but maybe not this Wednesday because no we are we are it'll be fine, fine. we are we'll sort it. okay uh, we're going to be releasing on a Wednesday now um so this is what you've wanted this is what you've asked for we used to release on a saturday it's it's going to be better for you we're releasing on hump day you know what i mean you get that weekday you get that weekday hump when work sucks um so we're going to be there for you to get you through a couple of little hours um as always please 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 find us on your uh, spotify on your itunes find us and give us five stars we only accept five stars we've currently only got five star ratings which is fantastic. That's hilarious. Maybe, maybe it's because the absolute abuse that i put at the end of every single episode or maybe it's just because you do enjoy it and we are good i'd like to think <laughs> for that um john <laughs> excellent uh where can they find you john at jcb.video what about you jamie Ah, they can find me at Movies in a Pod Shell. You can find us at Movies in a Pod Shell. Um, you can also find us um, at uh, Movies in a Pod Shell at gmail.com. You can write in 
um, just like just like people do. No one did this week, but most of most of the questions come through Instagram because that's that's where we live, mate. We sliding into our DMs, uh, asking asking. Asking about musicals. Asking about musicals, yeah, yeah. Thanks, everyone, and see you all later. Bye!